This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. All right, guys, welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast, episode 62. And uh, me and Jason finally decided to change things up. He said, why don't you do the intro? And uh, we don't know if this is going to go over well or go over like a lead balloon, but we're going to try it. So I'm with, I'm not, I'm not with my co-host. You're the host. I'm the co-host. No, I'm we're with both host. co-hosts. I think we're both co-hosts. We co-host it. But if there's one star host and then one guy that's in the background, usually that guy's the host, you know? Well, I, I think we're co-hosts. I'm willing to go with co-host. I'll have to check my business card. Okay, yeah, check that and let me know. Uh, we have no, a special just, guest, it, not special, it, not special yeah. at all, actually. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, we've got Gabe Ledbetter, aka Gabriel Iglesias, one of my That's very me. best friends. Um, I, you know, I've hunted with Gabe a lot, Jason, and the problem is, me and Gabe have too much fun when we're hunting, and we've never actually killed something together. Like, <laughs> we end up goofing off more than we end up killing. That's, you know, there's something to be said for that occasionally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's different, different types of hunters in the world. There's, there's the ones who, you know, don't quite get it done because they're waiting for something bigger. And then not exactly you, you're more like the didn't quite get it done because you're, you know, dinking around. Now, so. listen, though, I did, uh, I did shoot my first deer uh, with Gabe with a recurve and it was in full velvet. This deer comes Very in nice. and I get ready to, I get ready to shoot, man. I get my bow ready and Gabe's like, dude, there's bigger ones out here. I'm like, I don't care. This guy's coming in. He's going to die. And, uh, and so we, we did shoot my first deer with a recurve in full velvet, me and Gabe um, together. So that was fun. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That, that's a doe. It's not a velvet. That's just a doe. <laughs> that's just totally, a fur on her head. Totally different. Anyway. <laughs> well, Hey Gabe, welcome, man. Good to have you here. Hey, good to be here guys. Looking forward to it. So give uh, give folks a little little background about about you. Yeah. So we're we talking turkeys today. Is that what we're doing? We're talking bow hunting. Whatever. Bow hunting. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what I like, man. Uh, if you put a bow in my hands, I'm happy. I spend a lot of time in the Midwest chasing anything I can. I outfit as well. Spend a lot of time doing that, and just love the great outdoors, man. And uh, spending time with family, friends. And it's just what life's all about. And I try to make the most of it. Nice. And then you just came off a, a turkey hunt. Just when, when was your last hunt? Yeah, about a week ago uh, out in the uh, Colorado mountains and the, uh, the ragged mountain range in that area. And that's just kind of a whole nother ball game, you know, when flatland guy, you know, like Dylan, 
we're used to we're used to farm country and chasing turkeys through tree rows and everything else. And Walking through wheat there, fields. Yeah. And then you get out there in the ragged man, you start chasing them Merriams. It's just kind of a whole nother world. But it's a good change, man. I, I highly recommend that. If you guys ever get a chance to go chase some turkeys out west, uh, hey, you know, they're not Easterns. You know, that kind of reputation holds true. They're not as, as tough to hunt as uh, Easterns can be. But when you're in that terrain. Wait, where, is he saying that in a serious way? <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, the terrain, okay. what I'm saying, what I'm saying is the terrain makes up for it. So, you know, they have that reputation as not being as hard to hunt. But when you get out there in the mountains like that, man, it evens out. And it's like a whole, just a whole new thing, man. It's a good change and love it. Got that going. And then I'm looking, I'm, I kind of got a turkey tour planned up. So I'll be hitting Kansas, uh, Texas, and my home state of Missouri, and then Oklahoma as well. So hopefully try to try to tag out in all those states. So staying busy for sure. Very nice. He's been he's been trying to get me to go with him in Kansas. I'm like, dude, it's still just a bird. Like, see, all these turkey hunters are listening right now, and they're like, and they're mad at never, me. He's never been there. Yeah. He's never been there, guys. Don't hate <sighs> him. He's never been there. When yeah. you you know, it's like I if I'm if I'm gonna shoot a turkey in the fall, you know, I just, I'm just not one of those guys. It doesn't really do anything for me. But when the springtime rolls around, you start putting decoys out and they start working calls, man. Then it's just like. All hands on deck. I'm fired up about it. But, I really yeah. thought you were going to say you started that sentence and said, "If I'm going to shoot a turkey in the," f and I thought you were going to stay in the face. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> "Well, I like to shoot him there, but yeah." So, so have you have you achieved the turkey slam? So I'm, I'm one. I'm one short. I, I got the Osceola, and that's everybody's. It's always everybody's last one, you know, for the North American slam. Uh, just it's tough to get in down there in Florida, and then. It's just time, but one of these days, one of these days, we're gonna make that happen for sure. And so, you th which ones do you think are are the toughest to hunt? Eastern by far. I've never hunted the Osceola, but I've heard, you know, just from based off people, they're not, they're still not there as far as just the the smartness level. But they say they're the most aggressive by far. So I mean, you, you know, you start fanning a you start fanning a bird in in Southern Florida, you better watch out because they're coming for you. You got to fight on your hands. Is what everybody says. So, but yeah, Easterns, man, they're, they're the ones that can make it tough and make it challenging. What do you, really, equate, what do you equate that to? Uh, let's see, hunting an Eastern? No, like what, why do you think Easterns are, are more difficult? Like, what do you equate the difficulty to? I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they're smarter. It's just that subspecies of turkey. They'll, they'll give you problems. It's so, you know, and I think a lot of it's aggression too, uh, you know, like a Rio. I don't think they're dumber necessarily. I just think they're more aggressive, you know. Uh, an Eastern, if, if they're coming in and you call, that's why calling is an important thing. Is if you start calling when you got a, an Eastern coming, he's going to blow up and start fanning on you, and he might hang up, you know, two, 200 yards out for an hour just strutting around in the field, and they'll just they'll really take You can launch an arrow speed. at 200. You can send it. I would try it. I would try it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. So, yeah, I, you know, I've only hunted Easterns once and, uh, it, it was a, it was a nice, nice hunt. I, I don't know that I've got the, the knowledge base to determine which is the toughest turkey to hunt. So I would, I would kind of lean towards folks who have done it maybe a little more than I have, but sure, it was a good experience, fun hunt. And, and, uh, but I can see what you're talking about because it's why you're like where I was, we were hunting a you know a green field and so you yeah. can see them for forever it's not like you know some of the places i grew up hunting turkeys it was kind of like you were talking earlier where you're busting over ridge tops you know you're you're trying to get one to talk to you so you can find out how many ridges you have to hike down and up and down and up over to to get close enough to this thing to work it yeah and um and there it's it wasn't big wide open stuff it was you know um kind of the timber stuff above the the wide open but yeah and two when turkey hunts the way it's supposed to be it don't matter which one you're chasing as, as far as the subspecies goes i mean when they fly down off the roost and they work the decoys it's easy you know but when there's when there's going to be a day where they give you trouble and they might hang up or they're just not responding you can't throw the right thing at them it, it's more than likely it's the easterns that that happens with but 
you know, there, a lot of times when it, when it happens, right, it happens, right. Normally you go out there and they just fly down off the roofs, they come into the decoys and you're, and you're done. But you know, that's, that's the ones that'll, that'll uh, keep you going back and they'll really challenge you every now and then. Now, do you have a decoy strategy as a bird guy? I have a lot of decoy strategies, but I've seen lately, you know, for, for a lot of years, it was, you know, you had a lot of guys were using like one, one hen decoy or maybe a hen and a Jake. Yeah. And I, I saw an article the other day and they had like a dozen Turkey decoys out there. And I was like, Hey man, maybe that's something I could get into. <laughs> so, yeah. What's you your strategy know. on that? Well, these days, like you say, man, you can, there, there's Turkey hunters that drive their box trailers to the woods now. And like, just like waterfowl guys <laughs> start throwing out 30 of them. But I'll tell you, I do have a strategy, uh, whether this is the right one for everybody. I think it all depends on where you're at. And, and my big thing when it comes to turkey hunt is I think scouting plays a huge role. Now, a lot of guys aren't serious enough about turkey hunting to actually put forth a scouting effort. And But what I'm looking for when I'm scouting a place is I want to know what's there. I want to know, you know, is there is there lots of toms, lots of hens, or lots of jakes? And if you can figure out those things right there, then you can have a pretty good idea of how you want to attack that place. Being like, if I find a property and there's a couple toms, but a lot of jakes, the last thing I'm going to do is, is go in there and throw up a fanned out jake because a lot of times what you get into in a situation like this, and it's going to be different for everybody, but most of the time for me, if that happens, you throw out a fanned out jake, well, those toms, man, they've been beat up all week long by that big old band of jakes and the last thing they want to do is come in there to a jake that thinks he's hot stuff and uh and get whipped again because you know you go tom versus jake tom more than likely is going to win every time he's got the advantage but when you got 12 or 10 jakes whatever running together in a band like they usually do they'll be pretty rough on a tom so in that situation, lots of, lots of Jake's, I'm not going to throw out a big, uh, you know, fanned out Jake or vice versa. You know, I'll go in there just throw a hen, a hen out and, and usually that works pretty good and, uh, just kind of let things play out. But yeah, there's different strategies for sure. I definitely attack it different ways. Yeah. Are you at, when you got your bow out there, are you head shooting these things or are you hitting them in the body? So I'll tell you something right here that'll completely change the game. If you're a bow hunter out there, I'm just telling you, you, you might think this sounds crazy, but you try it one time and you'll never go back. But if you, if you shoot them in the top of the drums, right at the top of the legs, and there's lots of guys that are doing that these days. I mean, Lee Likoski, <clears throat> he's a bow hunter that everybody respects. If you don't respect Lee and Tiffany, then uh, you've got the issue, not them. Then I mean, get off the Pope and Young podcast. And go. Exactly. That's the way I feel. Lee, if you listen to this, you are the man. Everybody needs to respect it. All right. Uh, yeah. But, hey, Dylan, how come they haven't been on the podcast? You know, they want, there's timing issues, calendar right. issues, but they're coming. Okay. All right. They're good. coming. Get them on here, man. Get me off of here and just get them on here. When I talk, we're just going to cut the episode. Beep. And it's going <laughs> to pick back up with Lee and Tiffany. Now, no, Jason, I asked Gabe, I said, hey, can you help us with an I stand with Pope and Young video? He said, no, I can't. Said Lee and Tiffany's in it. He said, I'll do it. <laughs> Count me in. You, you know, it didn't we, happen like that for the record. No, it didn't. No, it didn't. He yeah. said, Absolutely, I will. <laughs> but you know, we actually had, saying. yeah, we had a lot of people enjoy that video. They're like, Hey, yeah, that's pretty lots. great. And, uh, and they were nice, you know, to do it for us and, and good supporters of bow hunting and, and have been members. So, uh, yeah. we're excited to have them. We definitely need to get them on the show, though. We'll put yeah, that on yeah. the list. I'll work on it. All right. For sure. Back, back, to what, back to what I was saying about that, though, is, you know, he's one of those guys that does it. But if you if you go to the a turkey's legs on the broadside, then you come up and you shoot them where the top of the leg meets the body. If you take their legs out, if a turkey can't run, they can't fly. And it works. You'll have great success as a bow hunter if you're bow hunting turkeys. But as you know, if you shot enough turkeys with a bow, you're going to lose a lot of turkeys because most people shoot them. I mean, you're looking at their, their, their vitals ain't but that big i mean that's just the fact of the matter they're not very big and they they can be a tough tough animal i mean that that they can take a broadhead hit much better than a whitetail can but if you'll take their legs out they can't run they can't fly i mean that's just it you hit them in the legs 
right at the top where it meets the body. You'll never shoot a turkey another way besides that. I'm just telling you. What if I can't hit that though? <laughs> then then you, you ain't hitting their vitals either. So you probably just need to pick up a probably need to pick up a bang stick. You know what I'm there saying? You, go. <laughs> you know what? That's why Benelli's still making shotguns. Because not, not everybody can shoot a bow, Dylan. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So not a head. Have you ever tried head shooting those things? You know, I got I, I tried. Let me see here. I got I got some of these broadheads while back and I was gonna try it with a recurve. I hadn't got around to it yet, but I'm definitely if you can see those for you that are watching by video. Oh yeah. I am I am gonna attempt it one of these days. It's just I haven't got around to it yet. But yeah, to answer your question for sure. Yeah, it'd be interesting. Have you shot any of those? See how they fly? I have great, not. Those great big not. blades. You just wonder. You're like, I wonder if those things are just going to hide your plane out of. Yeah, they say they say if you do it with a compound, you got to turn turn it down as far as it'll go, take all the poundage off of it, make it shoot super slow. But for you recurve guys, you know, like Dylan, you've got to get out there and try that, man, because a lot most people that do it, they do it with a recurve just mm -hmm. for that that issue right there. You don't have to worry about them taking off and flying on you. That's one more reason to have a recurve. Exactly. There you go, Jason. Yeah. I'm building, I'm building my case. We should have a subtitle. It's the Pope and Young podcast. With uh, every episode, we'll have one more reason you should have a recurve. Yeah. Or a trad. We won't even say recurve. We'll say a trad mill. A, like a yeah. they're pretty. Point one, yeah. pretty. There you For go. Sure. Yeah. I've never looked at a compound and been like, man, that thing is just so pretty. It might look cool. It might look awesome. Now, Jason, you, you made that face. I've said yeah. that about the guy holding the 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 compound. Yeah, I was just saying. I mean, mine's pretty. So, <laughs> I just I, I thought I just got a new string on it, and so I went down to the shop and and I had I had a string put on. I they had to fix tweak a couple of little things on it, and uh, I thought, wow, I'm gonna get like a you know, red and gray, you know, twisted string. That'll be kind of unique. And I got to pick the thing up and there's like 12 bows with red strings. And I'm like, I, who, knew, who knew I was that much of a trendsetter, but I think it had nothing you hadn't to even do picked with your me. bow up yet. Had everybody even was already following and everybody was following. So they're like, Holy cow. Jason Rouncefield is shooting uh, this. I got to shoot it. Yeah. So Anyway, I thought that was that was pretty interesting. I thought it'd be really unique, and then literally a quarter of the bows in there had had red on the string. So maybe I'm not the trendsetter I thought. Now Gabe's not only a turkey hunter; he has a pretty cool story about his first elk. Gabe, tell us tell us that story. And was it from where where were you in the country on this particular hunt? Wyoming, Sundance, Wyoming, to be exact, right there in the corner. With seven J outfitters, you know, those guys are legendary. So that that helped a lot. But it don't mean you're not gonna have a tough hunt, man. And and like Dylan said, it was it was one of those times like, you know, as a bow hunter, you gotta get tested every now and then. And that was one of those times, you know, we we went for nine days straight. I watched my brother five days earlier on a ranch, keep in mind, like the hunt was pretty tough at this point, you know, because we was going on ranches that they didn't usually take bow hunters on for instance the ranch we ended up hunting nobody had ever killed one they were the bow that was just where they would take rival hunters because it was just not really set up for a bow hunter not super thick but we got to the top of that mountain one day and they'll split you up you know you got two two uh two on one so two hunters one guy and they'll put you about you know 50 or 60 yards apart they'll try to pull that elk across you and whoever he comes by gets a shot so i'll watch my brother it came right in on him, 40 yards. I was looking down the side of the elk. I watched the arrow just sail through the air and just 12 ringed him. And uh, so my brother, he he tagged out, shot a, you know, like that's like 330-inch bull, which is a, it's a really good bull uh, with a bow. And in Wyoming, even, that's a good bull. So he goes on home, and I keep hunting. And He didn't even stick around? No, he didn't. He and, and you know, I'll give me had to get back to work and stuff and all that stuff. But yeah, I, I felt a little, I felt a little bit, you know, abandoned there at that point. So it's just me so, and the guy. So just yeah. just for clarification, he got you, you're hunting together. He gets the shot. Yes. You you help him pack his elk out, probably uphill, and then he bails. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I just yeah. Now is this I, Garrett? This is Garrett. This is Garrett. Yeah. 
now, Jason, I, you've got to know something about Garrett. Garrett's the kind of guy that'll go out and like, he'll say, I think I'm going to go hunting in the morning and end up shooting a stinking 210 inch whitetail. Or Every, I mean, just that kind yeah. of guy, like the kind of guy you hate to be friends with. Cause he's like, man, I set two times this year and I shot a, 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 a 190 inch deer. And you're like, I hate you, dude. Yeah. But and he he's just a he killer. Doesn't just, he doesn't just do it one year. Like he'll shoot 190 inch deer. And then like you come back the next year and be in Kansas, you'll be like, all right, he can't do it again. He'll kill another 190 inch deer. <laughs> it's like Dylan said, it's just like one of those things, man. You just, you just got to shake your head. So. But no, he did. And he killed, he killed a monster bull, monster bull. You know, he had, he had to get back. I ended up staying extra days past what my hunt was supposed to be. So we was only scheduled to be there for that time frame. I added on extra days trying to get this done, walked over 60 miles in nine days. And we wrapped around all over that part of Wyoming and ended up five days later on that same mountain. Keep in mind, within 300 yards of where he shot his bull five days before. And sure enough, dude, we got a bull and he started working. And uh, Kenny, a lot of lots of guys know Kenny. You always see him on TV with, you know, Mike Waddell and David Blanton guiding those guys. I mean, he's just a legend. He's part elk. I'm telling you, this guy is part elk. And, and he just, he starts working these things and you, no matter what, I don't care if you're nine days in when you're with a guy like that, you always feel like you're still in the fight. And sure enough, man, he worked hard. He kept us in the fight and we started working this bull within 300 yards of where he killed that bull. And he came in and I'm telling you, he worked slow. He would hang, hang up for a little bit. And then Kenny, he's just back there talking to him, finally works him. Finally works him in there, gets him about 40 yards. And I, I pulled back on that thing. And it's just like all those emotions wrapped up nine days, all those miles wrapped up into that one moment. And I draw back and he catches me at 40 yards. So as a bow hunter, you know how fast, how many thoughts you can have in just a short amount of time. So I'm thinking, he's seen me. Do I aim a little bit low? Is he going to try to duck me? What do I do? I just gathered my thoughts and I mean, I just picked a small spot. And when I say I made a shot, I mean, one of the best shots of my bow hunting career because there was a lot riding on it. And sure enough, that arrow just right in the right pocket. And he runs off and, you know, Kenny, he's back there 80 yards. He hears me shoot and he starts calling just like any good guide yeah. would, just trying to calm that bull back down. And he does. I mean, that bull runs out there about 70 yards and starts wondering what this what this Kenny guy's up to back there again. <laughs> and sure enough, he starts working that bull again. And that bull is thinking like, all right, I'm going to go back in there and check this out all this time, man. He's losing, he's losing steam. And sure enough, he just blacks out, falls over at 70 yards. And that right there, man, as a Midwestern guy who's hunted his whole life, chasing whitetails and just love the whole archery thing and bow hunting in general. that right there is probably the greatest moment in hunting for me is to watch an elk that you've dreamed about your whole life taken and just just fall 70 yards. It was just like a combination of everything. And, and keep in mind, like, adrenaline, it's one thing, but then there's adrenaline. And, like, I was – I stayed calm, but after that shot, man, my knees started knocking. I literally looked like a spaghettio out there trying to walk around through the woods. I could not get my feet under me. But it's just – it's a special moment, man, special moment. And, uh, yeah, I, every elk hunt can put after that. I just, I, I match up to that hunt, man. You're just always chasing that first time, you know? Yeah. But just, now, which just one awesome. of you was it? I thought it was your first bull. Might've been another one or might've been one of your brothers. Didn't one of them like go off of a, like a cliff and die like down below. And like, wasn't, didn't something like that happen? So last year, Garrett, that same brother, that uh, is always killing everything. He probably shot a 350 or something. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't the biggest bull in the world, but man, we called, we called that thing in and he was good grief. I want to say four steps directly, directly above us. So we're on like, you know, like steep as a cow's face terrain. And uh, he shoots, he literally shooting straight up at four steps and he slips an arrow through that thing. He drops off right beside us. And just goes straight down. Yeah, that's what I remember. And, and we watched we watched him pile up down there. 
and we just seen everything because we're looking straight down on top of him. We watch exactly where he was, and we get down there to where he's at, and we can't find him because it's just like you're having to push through a wall. It's so thick. But that was an incredible hunt, man. So did the arrow literally go in like bottom side belly and come out like top side? Oh, dude, he did. I'm telling you, he reached up and touched that thing. With I mean, it's just right there. It was just totally instinct at that point because he's just right literally above you. It was just amazing. And I, I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, that's, man, hopefully the road was down below. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we, we found we found a sidetrack out of there and we just able to kind of parallel to the hill out of there. So it worked out. Yeah. That's one thing my dad taught me early. He says, man, he says you're better to hunt up from the road than down from the road. So didn't, didn't, right. always, didn't always work that way, but, uh, he tried. You're right on that for sure. Yeah. So chasing whitetails, turkeys, elk, what else is on your list? Man, that I haven't done yet. I'd love to do some free ranging uh, all dad in Texas. You know, me and Dylan, we like to go down there and shoot pigs and javelinas and whatever else moves down there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if if it's if it's legal, man, I'll, I like to chase it. I'll tell I you do. what, Jason, we had a ball last time we was there. Guy said, uh, "Listen, because we'd already tagged out on javelinas, trying to shoot whitetails at that point." And he said, "Well, listen, those javelinas." that you can't shoot anymore, but they'll keep your deer away. And so he said, you need to bring a slingshot or something to shoot at them to scare them off from out around you. And we had a ball, man, throwing rocks at javelinas, trying to get them out of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. Hey, listen to this. I guarantee you next time we go down there, old Dylan will have more than just a stick and string on him because, hey. That was terrifying. Oh, youth pastor Dylan, that guy can dance for a preacher. That I'll was tell terrifying. You <laughs> hey. I shot my first animal with a recurve. I was pumped. I was I was excited. But it was so dark, it was to the point where we couldn't see anything. And I, I told you about that javelina and how we couldn't get to it. But I shoot this javelina, and we could hear it dying. Like, we know it died, but it runs into the thickest stuff you've ever seen. And so we're, we're walking through, or I'm walking through, crawling through. Gabe's behind me with a phone, video, laughing his head off um, because I'm, I keep hearing this, this javelina just squall and squeal and I'm getting like, I can't see three feet in front of me. And I'm like, I'm going to come up on this stinking javelina and, and he's going to be ready for a fight. And every time I'd hear something, it made me jump and dude, it was terrifying. I, I never, never ended up, I couldn't get to it. Like face. I got, got to a place where I'm just like, I, there's no, I can't go forward at all. And <laughs> from that point, like I heard it dying like 30 yards in and like we heard its last squall and I'm like, I want that thing so bad just because of my first animal of the recurve, but there was literally no way in. Like I, I couldn't get through it, but it was terrifying. Yeah, I'll have to send you the video, face. Jason. He started, he starts dancing over cactuses and everything. And I mean, dude, that oh. guy's got, he got moves, man. He never stepped on one cactus. I'm pretty fly for a white guy. I'll it's, send you the video, Jason. It's awesome. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'll tell you what, those things, I'd never hunted them until just recently. And uh, I got, got my first one down in Mexico and uh, I, then afterwards, I found out you can't import a javelina from Mexico into the States. Apparently, that's a big no-no. But oh, anyway, um, yeah, it's people, you think about it, and you're like, well, how could you not get 30 yards in there? And it's like, because you can't get, there's, there's no way to get through that. I mean, yeah. I was crawling through some stuff, trailing this thing, and you can't walk through there. So you wind up crawling through this little trail. And uh all of a sudden you come into this little little opening in the thorns and the cactus and the just everything nasty and you look around and you're like i well how did i get in here because i don't know how i'm going to get out of here yeah and it's thicker than you can i mean it is thick thick stuff and you're liable to go nose to nose with a rattlesnake too yeah <laughs> you know yeah we ran yeah. into a bunch of those down there man we killed like four or five yeah. yeah, I got in a fight. I got in a fight with like three of them, and I won every one of them. Thank yeah. the Lord. That's uh, yeah, caught him mid strike, just right out of the stinking. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see any snakes, but but one of the guys saw one, and we had snake chaps on pretty much the whole time. But Gabe slept yeah. with his on. Yeah, yeah, I, I ain't like about snakes. That. I ain't about that. No. Hey, did I tell either of you guys? I found a snake in my basement. Freaked me out. 
Because it's in my hunting room. I walked in and I just see a snake on the floor and I'm like, oh crap, I got to get something to grab this thing with. And I go back and by the time I got back, it had crawled into my camo closet and up into my clothes that are full of, it's all camo. And so I'm like picking through each jacket and like opening each jacket real slow and like dropping it out. Finally found it. And uh, my kids freaked out and my wife freaked out. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to stay somewhere else tonight. And I'm like, I got it. She's like, but there's more. And I'm like, no, there's not. That's crazy. Yeah, it was insane. I don't know how it got in, but. Imagine being in the tree stand reaching into your pocket, you know, like to grab a grunt tube or something like that. And you get a hold of that. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. That Those deer are gone because I'm jumping Ooh. out the tree. <laughs> Man, I do not like snakes. There's a lot of things I'm okay with but man i do not like snakes if i see the snake i'm fine but rattlesnakes when you hear them and you don't see them yet then you're like oh snap like now i'm out of there you know what i mean but if i can see a snake and just stay away from it i'm good yeah see now i've heard like i I lived in northern california we had rattlesnakes there but they weren't great big ones they weren't like those big texas rattlers that are you know six feet long and you know, big around as a baseball bat. These were smaller. You know, a big one would be, I don't know, three and a half feet or something. And just just not big, but they sound like I hear people talk about, you know, the ones down south and they call them buzzworms. They're like, oh, they rattle. And the ones we had sounded more like a, a lawn sprinkler when they first start coming on, like the, where it's like, like that yeah. and so it was kind of a kind of a weird sound it's like eerie sound yeah you hear like that, that. And you're like why are the sprinklers coming on at night yeah. and then you're and like then oh, you get there's bit. a snake yeah like their rattles misfiring or something yeah <laughs> so pretty intimidating yeah I, I had one year i killed nine of them in my driveway and i was Dude. Like, and that's that was, in california yeah that was that was not great that's why he doesn't live in california anymore that's yeah, part man. of it. Yeah. That's correct. Rat, rattlesnakes and, and well, it's California. So, <laughs> wow. Gabe, what's your big out West hunt for this year? Uh, hopefully, hopefully good Lord willing chasing elk again, you know? Um, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that that'd be it, you know, bear. I was just out there, you know, turkey hunting and, and I kind of got fired up because, and Dylan, I, Dylan's crazy about bears, you know, so you'll like this story. I didn't got to tell you this yet, but we're driving around on this ranch and I look over and, and, and this is just like, you know, a week and a half ago. And I'm talking, I'm talking a monster bear. And even the, even the guys that are out there, they guide full time. They're like, dude, that, that's like a 450, 500 pound bear. And he's fresh out of hibernation. Like he should not be that big. So that kind of got me fired up a little bit, you know, so maybe, maybe one of these days or maybe this season chase some bears out there. Cause that, that, why didn't you uh, buy your tag online and then go stink and chase them? Uh, yeah. Good question, man. Oh, is it season out there right now? Colorado, Colorado doesn't have a a spring season. Okay. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah, dude. He, he, I'm telling you though, he's just fresh out of hibernation. I'm still, it's still pretty cold. So I'm telling you, he couldn't have been out very long. He didn't have time. I just, I don't get it, but he was huge. He was huge. So maybe he puts on another hundred pounds. I'll tell you what that's been blowing my mind is Oklahoma with them bears. His brother hunts in Oklahoma for bears and kills giants right there in the Kaimichi mountains in Oklahoma. I mean, tankers of bears and uh, does it every year. And I'm like, man, that's, that's cool. Yeah, dude, that's slowly right there. That that's slowly becoming like, one of the little sweet spots for black bear. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, seriously, it's and, coming and to, you don't, yeah. And you don't even got to go out West anymore, you know, or to Canada, you know, you don't even have to travel. You just got to right there, dude. And they got a honey hole, put some birthday cake out and you can bait them there, you know? So <laughs> it's amazing. He goes to the donut shop and gets all their day olds and he'll leave with trash bags full of donuts. <laughs> he eats some on the way, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, of course. Bears get the leftovers. I saw a, a picture that uh, Bam posted, uh, Bam Marshall, you know, from Wishes for Warriors, posted a picture of his garage. In his garage, he had tarps laid out over his garage floor. And I'm talking piles and piles of wheat bread and 
donut cakes and Twinkies and long johns and piles and piles. And, and uh, he's like, it said something about getting ready for bear season around the, the Marshall house, but it was funny. Yeah. See, we can't, they cut out uh, baiting in hounds years ago for us. And so I never got to actually do that. I, I had some friends who used to bait them and, and run hounds both, but uh, I never, never got to participate in those. I think there's a, there's so many different uh, theories on that. I was listening to some guys talking to bow shop the other day about baiting bears. And it's like, Oh, you have to use this. And then, Oh, you also have to do this because then it gets on the, gets on their feet. And then the bears track it around. So then other bears know your baits there. And it, I mean, there's, there is a whole science and yeah. theories and philosophies on how to do that. Did you get you yeah. one of those? Did you get you one of those donut shops from Winsent yet? I have not done that yet. No, I need to do that. Oh, that's going to be awesome. So I need to, you know, I probably need to pop that in my truck for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that deal that Dylan was doing up there where he killed his, what, what was they soaking those rags in dude? Uh, syrup, maple syrup. syrup. Yeah. I thought that was pretty genius there. They would just cut strips out of a towel and soak them in maple syrup, hang them from the tree. We would see bears walk up and literally just suck that whole thing off the tree and suck on it, spit it out. Like it was, it was cool. Really? That's cool. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something else. I've just, just haven't had a, a chance to do that, but it's on the list. They would also it actually they would do is they would, they would melt white chocolate and then mix corn with it. They, they would, they would just mix big barrels of melted white chocolate and corn and then dump it out. And I'm like, dude, I was down there munching on some, but then yeah. I had to start hunting, you know, is there anything that doesn't like corn? I mean, you nope. name it, man. Turkeys, deer, ducks, geese. What? I mean, you name it. It eats corn. Dude, I seen a I seen a trochan pick the other day of a coyote, gnawing on a big old corn cob out in the cornfield. Really? <laughs> yeah, that kind of threw me for a loop. But you know, I, I think guess. coyotes will eat anything they can fit in their mouth. I think. I think you're right. For sure. Yeah. 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 So what's um. So if you had to pick one, one bucket list hunt, you go anywhere, hunt anything, what would it be? Ooh, is that for me or Dylan? That's for you, Gabe. Hey man, I'll take that. Oh man, that's a good one. I'm probably going to say probably like British Columbia moose hunt or something like that. I just feel like, you know, there's, there's this, you know, that Africa is awesome, you know, but you know, there's so many free range African animals now in Texas that you, you know, so you don't really got to go there. if you want to do something like that. But I'd say, I'd say a moose is one of those things that I just got to do for the good Lord yeah. calls me home. You know, this sounds, this sounds markety and forgive me if it does, but sure. I think that if I could, if I could pick one hunt, Jason, it would be that, that parents grizzly bear, uh, black bear combo in Alaska. You know, that thing is you know, and it's not just the hunt, it's the lodge, it's the people. It's if you look at and and I was gonna mention this just a minute ago, you know, I've never had a real huge desire to to hunt bears. It's just never been high on my list. And then having folks on the show that really enjoy it and really get into the bear hunting and and kind of some of the different nuances and whatnot, it kind of all of a sudden starts creeping up your list and you're like you know what that would be fun and then you hear about hunts like that where you're literally out there chasing brown bears with the bow which you know five years ago man i didn't want to be within bow range of a brown bear now all of a sudden you talk to people that are out there doing it and you hear these stories and man it's it's on my list and you know there's a lot of great hunts out there but that one Plus the, that rainy pass lodge is just, I don't know if there's anything else like it. And the folks, I mean, Steve and his wife are just, you talk about great people. They're just great people. Huge you know, supporters I, of Pope. I have, since we've posted that hunt, just so everybody knows what we're talking about, that, that hunt grizzly bear, black bear uh, combo is going to be auctioned off on May 14th um, live from the Baku center. If you can't be there in attendance, it'll be online, but since I've posted that hunt, Jason, I have had five people reach out and say, I know Steve Perrins, dude is as legit as they come. 
Yes. Like he is the best of the best. He is not only a phenomenal guide, but he's just a great guy. He um, is. And I've been yeah. blown away by the amount of people that's reached out and just says, Steve's a phenomenal guy. And guys, yeah. we don't know. It's not Pope and Young crowd. It's not, you know, it's not Jim Willems. It's not, it's people right. that I don't know. It's people that are just straight up messaging the Pope and Young page saying Steve Perrins is as good as they come. Yeah. And it's, see, I met him through, uh, Jack Frost actually introduced us at a, at one of the trade, you know, SCI or something several years ago. And, you know, I mean, when Jack Frost introduced you to somebody and says, Hey, this guy's legit, pay attention. <laughs> it's Jack Frost. So you listen and you're like, okay, he knows. So I'm, I'm going to take his word for it. Yeah. And, uh, and then since then I've gotten to know him and just such nice people. So yeah, that's, that would be a good one for sure. Yeah. And then you go out there, you shoot a brown bear then you're like, you know what? Yeah. I want to shoot a black bear too. Okay. And, and then it's, then it's, you get into that Africa mentality. Cause on that one, you can shoot a second bear. You just have to pay the trophy fees. And then it's like, you know, when you're in Africa, you're like, Ooh, I'd sure like a wildebeest. Yeah. How much money do I have in my checking account? <laughs> so then, then you get into that or i guess Tell you gabe, hope, hope you get to that scenario tell gabe the story about the zebra with your niece oh man He'll get a kick out of that uh, <laughs> it's so there, there was i only had one directive when i went to africa don't shoot a zebra and i'm like okay because every oh, you know man. everybody equates them to a horse and they're similar but it's not the same and so I get there and the, from day one, my, my profession, my pH is like, Oh, you need a zebra. I'm like, no, dude, I do not need a zebra. I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a zebra free zone here. And so finally he kept working on me and working on me and in, in all the chalets and the lodge, everywhere you go, they have these just awesome zebra rugs and they just look so cool that yeah. you're like, you know what? I don't need to shoot a, zebra but i need to take one of them rugs home because they're pretty awesome then all of a sudden you start looking and it's actually about the same price to shoot one and have the rug made as to just go buy the rug so <laughs> you know, so I, I was starting to cave in a little bit and my guy just kept working on me and uh finally he made me he says hey you know and this is i was in botswana which you know they have like chiefs and i mean it means something there to be a chief here at it's not a big deal, but there it is. And he says, I'll tell you what, if you shoot the zebra for the remainder of the trip, we will call you your Royal Highness, Chief Jason. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, hey, I'll take that it. action. <laughs> you call me what? He says, your Royal Highness, Chief Jason. I'm like, okay, just you or everybody? He says, everybody. And I'm like, where else in the world? can I be your Royal Highness other than in Botswana? So um, anyway, yeah. I, so I made him a deal. I said, Hey, you get me a heart of beast and I'll, I'll shoot a zebra. And so he came through on his end. I got to shoot the heart of beast. I got a zebra and, uh, and, and then I was, they actually, everybody followed through and I was your Royal Highness for the rest of that week. It was. So now cool. I know if I want you to buy dinner, all I got to do is call you your Royal Highness, Chief Jason. Something like that. Yeah. I've got that. You guys are liable to get some serious looks if you're at a Mexican restaurant throwing around <laughs> stuff like that. Oh yeah. Hey, what did you what did your niece say though when you, she saw the picture? Oh, so my niece, <laughs> I, and this is a few years ago. And so I'm showing her on my uh, you know, she's so we're sitting down for for Christmas. I was over there in November and then uh, it was Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. And so we're flipping through these pictures on on an iPad. And uh, she's like, did you shoot a zebra? And I'm like, oh, no, because that's the only thing I wasn't supposed to do. And I'm like, I'm like, well, honey, yes. I said I shot a zebra, but I only shot the bad zebra who was hurting the baby zebras. And she's <laughs> like, she's like, well, OK. And then she goes over to my mom. And she says, Grandma, Uncle Jason shot a zebra. But it's okay because he shot the bad zebra that was hurting the baby zebras, and so, so then you're the family hero. So it's all yeah. Good. I don't know that I got hero status, but at least I wasn't the goat that day. Wow. So, One time we was in Oklahoma. We was in Oklahoma hog hunting. Me and Gabriel and uh, Gabe was sitting over 
hunting some pigs and me and another guy were just out trying to spot and stalk and we get into a whole group of little bit i'm talking four ounce pigs and they're running through there and so me and my buddy are pow 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 i mean hundreds of times and so gabe texts he's like man sure wish i wasn't sitting here bored as all get out when you guys are over there shooting a thousand pigs and i'm like well i sent him back a picture of a pig this size and i'm like yeah you know shooting them all you know he ends up shooting a giant Oh, but yeah. I shot this pig that weighed this 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 big, and uh, we skin it, and I was gonna put it on the grill whole. And I get home and I pull it out of that bag, and and my daughter goes, "I thought you were pig hunting. You shot a bunny." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, it's, it's the exact same, same size. size. Yeah, yeah." But <laughs> so that's my kid. Yeah. Now do you have to, there. You don't have to tag him, but I, in some of the states you have to tag a pig. I wonder if that would count. You don't in Oklahoma. Yeah. But I would have told him it was a bunny. Yeah. <laughs> I got two pigs and seven rabbits. Yeah. Short-eared rabbits. That's great. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, Gabe, the one question we ask everybody that we get on the show is when you find yourself in a tree or out on a uh, elk mountain or shooting pigs in Texas, what is one maybe non-traditional item that you find you can't live without in your pack? Oh man, uh, this may may not be non traditional, but like a cliff bar, dude. Those are you know I always make sure I keep some cliff bars in there, uh, but that might be pretty traditional for some people. But besides besides that, you know, dude wipes. I take those with me everywhere I go. Those there you go. In, those All are right. coming right there. So there's two things right there that I think will make you a better hunter for sure. All right, <laughs> cliff bars and dude wipes. That's it, man. Got got to stay fresh on the mountain. Oh yeah. Well, let me ask That's you it. this. Let me ask you this, Gabe. Dude wipes are what? Four bucks a pack. I can yeah, go to the yeah. ba- I can go to the baby section and get unscented baby wipes, and they're ninety seven cents a pack. Yeah, but they're getting you with the branding, dude. Yeah. Also, they're plant based, though. You know, so oh, who cares? They're getting well, you, with- uh, you don't ha- you don't have to ha- you don't have to haul them around with you after they're done because I mean from the earth they came and from the earth they return you know you can so, get you wait. can get biodegradable you can get the biodegradable unscented oh, dude, baby wipes don't give the, me that the, the other that. ones are oh. cotton they're getting you with they're getting you with yeah. the marketing okay the baby wipes are cotton that's that's right. plant based so One Johnson and I- Johnson wipes in your backpack in, in Cliff bars and you're good to go. One time I was doing a podcast with the president and CEO of Scentlock, and we were talking about money saving tips when hunting. And I said, well, dude, listen, I've done away with uh, branded, um, you know, scent killer deodorant or non-scented deodorant. Um, I run to the deodorant section, look at the bottom, there's Mitchum or whatever it's called and unscented. And it's like 98 cents. And he's yeah. like, he looks at me, he's like, kind of just shakes his head. And I'm like, what? And he's like, we sell unscented deodorant. And I'm like, Oh, you guys got to check out Scentlock's <laughs> Unscented Deodorant. <laughs> it's That's the best. Awesome it's the best there. seven bucks you'll ever spend. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. That nose jammer. It smells just like my That's truck. That's what I'm talking about. Gabe's school. the one that got me hooked on it. You're welcome, Jason. Gabe Vanilla got me Roma. hooked on it. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, got like, I've got like 74 cans right now on my shelf back here from like when I got on clearance after hunting season's over at Walmart. You just go and you get them for like 49 cents and I just pile up on that stuff. Nice. I spray it on it. I spray on everything, man. The yeah. first time I was hunting with Gabe and, and, and Gabe is known for killing big whitetails. And I'm like, the first time I'm, I'm going out hunting with him, we get to the blind and he starts spraying this vanilla crap everywhere. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, we're done. You just sprayed vanilla cookie in the air. And, uh, and sure enough, dude, we had deer all around us. And I'm like, this stuff right here is the real deal. And yeah. when you condition, when you condition with it, man, like when you're checking trail cameras or you're, you're in there scout and putting up stands all year long, every time I step into those woods, I spray that everywhere. So the, it's a part of their lives. They smell it all the time. But when I yeah. spray it in there, when I'm in there, then it just, it's fresh, it jams them and it really works. I mean, I've so many times I've sprayed that stuff and had deer directly downwind. And I'm not talking 300 yards away. I'm talking within 150 yards from here. Like there's no way that this should be working out right now, but it does. But Have you I, seen I don't or think... used the wax, the wax stick for conditioning? 
Uh, no, but it's a wax I'm, stick. And so you rub it on the trees. And since it's a wax, it's like a slow release. Sticks along. So, yeah. Okay. So it lasts for like two and a half weeks before yeah. it is, you know, evaporated and gone. And um, yeah. so I've, I've started using the wax sticks. And I, and I think that's the most important part of the whole thing. Cause if you go, if you go on public ground somewhere and you're like, Oh, I'm going to use nose jammer and you just throw that up in the air, there's a good chance like deer might find that very odd. But if they smell that all year long on your hunting property, I mean, then it, it becomes a part of their life. And I, I think actually they like it. I really do. You know, that, I you know, like it. I do. I'm with you. I'm like, I'm of all you. the stuff that I have sprayed on my boots over the years, that is by <laughs> far the best smelling. And I, I use it like good that. stuff. I use it like that bog spray, man. I sprayed under my shirt. You know, it's just all over. <laughs> it's hey, it's a don't... little sticky, though. Like I, because yeah. I sprayed it on my clothes, and then I'm like, oh, it's just, it's too sticky for that. Just well, don't I spray it, like, it when you're I'll hungry spray, in the tree stand. Then you're like, I'll spray it on oh. my neck. I'll spray it on my neck, and then like stick my grunt tube to it. That way, I don't have to, you know, just it, it'll actually hold things. <laughs> no, I don't recommend yeah, that. I you know, all right, we'll add that to our tips and tricks page. <laughs> I really I, thought that was going a different direction, oh, with, like man. trying to get your wife to kiss on you or something. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's. What's bad? Somebody's gonna try that though. Just, just don't do it. I don't hey, even... you, you never know. Hey, what works for one might work for another. <laughs> there you go. Well, Gabe. Hey, man. Uh, great to meet you. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, pleasure to to hear about your recent turkey success and and your adventures out there. And and it's just great to talk to you, man. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, it's an honor, guys. And thank you guys for all you do at Pope and Young, man. As a bow hunter. It's it's an honor to be here, honor to be on the show. You know, like like we say in that video, I stand with Pope and Young. So anybody out there listening to this, I support them. They do so much for our sport. And if you call yourself a bow hunter, we need to get out there and, and support this team because you guys are the ones that are fighting for us firsthand. You know, so uh, as a bow hunter, I owe a lot to you, and so does every other bow hunter out there. So thank you guys. It's it's not be on here with you. I appreciate it. Appreciate that, man. We'll keep battling. I think we should yeah. applaud him or something. Like for I know, yeah. Spiel. That yeah. was pretty good. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was going good right up until he clapped for himself. Oh, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, no. Hey, Gabe, thanks for that, man. We're working hard for bow hunters all across North America, and uh, it's nice when, when people recognize that. So, thank you yeah. for mentioning it. Absolutely, guys. I mean it, too. Yeah. Go get him. Stay after it. All right. Have a good one. Yeah, you too.